Welcome to Fundamentals of Canadian Law. I'm Matt Shepard, and I'm fascinated and confused by intellectual property. Thankfully, Morgan Jarvis is here to unpack it a little, both in this podcast and through his new course, Law 206-706, Intellectual Property Law. Morgan was on our very first episode, talking about trademarks and a conflict between rapper Be Rich and Coca-Cola over a purloined lyric. We'll catch up on that in a bit and then get into IP, how it breaks into categories, and what those categories mean. This podcast is brought to you by the Queen's Certificate in Law, the only online certificate in law offered by a law faculty in Canada. You can find out more at takelaw.ca. What's happening with the Be Rich case? Well, I I was dying to know because it's been I guess a year now um, since the since the since we talked about um, out for a sip um, and that out for a rip case with with Coke. Um, so I emailed Rob Kittredge, the Queen's grad, who's a uh, who is the lawyer who featured in that in that video. I think as um, was it Buddy Buddy and Steve or, or whatever it was, and. Um, Wondered if there had been a resolution because, like, you can't tell online. You can still watch the out for a sip video. It looks like there's still this outstanding cease and desist letter, um, which would have now been been past the um, date of when he'd asked to hear from Coke. So wondered what happened, and and he did kindly call call me back. Great guy, um, great creative legal um, solution finder, as you can imagine from watching that video. And he said, "Look, there's, you know, I've got this scripted response that I haven't actually even read to anybody yet because it's so dull and scripted. But all I can say is that we we came to a um, mutually agreeable solution to the problem, and that's and that and that's all. Um, and then I thought, wow, like this is this is such a great example of of why lawyers." need to start thinking um, beyond just the traditional way that lawyers think about their little legal box of legal issues and legal problems and you know, mostly liability and, and their own liability. They, they're often part of a business team and you need to think about the bigger business issues at play. And this was such a classic case of a PR problem and, and a branding problem. Um, and then, you know, the, the creative solution would have been to go out, and this is actually um, Rob. Rob mentioned he'd he'd thought of this, and and I think he may have even proposed it to Coke. Um, you know, why don't we get together and do a bit of a co-branding thing? We do another video, and um, make this a great PR story for everybody, and a real win-win, and something fun, not just a classic situation of lawyer comes to the table with an NDA, which is obviously the case. Um, you know, negotiating hard, try to get the most out of the other party, and you, then you can't talk about it. And this video is still out there playing as a negative PR thing for, for them. So it was kind of crazy. And I think I'm going to get Rob to come in and talk at the uh, in the business law clinic th- this year and, and talk to our students about creative legal problem solving. So that's something that, 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 that we're, we're trying to get students thinking about now is is how do, how do they, they think more like business people? And, and, this, and the business law clinic is, of course, the right place for that. How do you, how do you connect with your clients, understand their business, and, and how do you come up with creative business problems as part of it's it's a business context it's not just a a context of nitpicky legal issues there is a much bigger picture out there and you have to keep that in mind so since you brought it up i mean the business law clinic uh you are the director of the queen's business law clinic uh and that is a role that is not unconnected in a lot of significant ways to ip and ip questions that yeah exactly right there's there's um 
you know, a lot of, especially we're, we're dealing with a lot of startups coming out of the university. And so um, a lot of them do have IP issues of different sorts. Sometimes they're trying to commercialize um, perhaps uh, a patent. Um, there's always trademarks, the, the branding for your business as you go forward. There's a bit of debate about whether it's the first thing you think about or not. But, but I kind of, I, I do encourage people to think about early on because you want to make sure there's a domain name out there. Um, you don't want to be paying $10,000 for, for getting your, your domain name because you've gone and chosen a brand name, um, which someone's already, already sitting on whether they're actually using it or not. So to take a quick step back, what you do, what the clinic yes, does right. so, as a pro bono yeah. clinic for the law school is you are helping businesses with a lot of different legal matters that have to do with setting themselves up, usually in their infancy. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So so most people want to consider what sort of business vehicle they're, they're going forward with. Are they happy? If they're one person, are they um, happy going forward as a sole proprietorship? Does that make sense for tax purposes? We try to get them to talk to an accountant for that, but also for liability purposes, since there's some liability involved. Often when you're contracting with other people and you've got employees and maybe you're doing a service for, for um, others and there's risk, you might, you might hurt someone while you're doing that or damage someone's property. It's often for liability reasons, um, a, a good reason to incorporate. Or maybe there's a couple people working together and they're, and they, they're, they're a partnership. Uh, and that's actually automatically at law, you're, you're implied to be a partnership if you're doing business with someone else. So some, sometimes you want to you want to do a partnership agreement that sets out your own terms, or you may, maybe you want to incorporate, and you could both be shareholders in, in, in the company. And then in all those um, all those contracts that we end up doing for them, when they start interacting with other businesses and other people, there's, so, there's often IP issues because um, you're often developing something for someone else which has IP, and then who owns it? Um, great example is you know if here we are in, in a in a podcast, if you were providing uh, podcast recording or hosting services for for people, you would need a contract because you you would just want to set out the understanding between the parties. You want that in writing. You you both want to know that you're on the same page. There's money um, usually involved, and people need to know what they're getting for that money. And so, and the IP comes in. Say if you're uh, recording a podcast for someone, that they're likely coming in with some um, IP, some copyrighted material, probably. Or um, you're you're helping them create some copyrighted material, and they're going to want to make sure that they retain ownership of what they're bringing to the table, and they also want to own the combined work product because because they're paying you to develop IP with them, and they they usually want to be able to own that. And then if you're going to go and host it for them, you then need that IP licensed um, for your use for 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 the um, hosting or whatever else you're doing uh, for them with that IP. So, so that's just, just one example, and it comes up all, all the time in the clinic, and, and, and the clinic provides some great real-world real examples um, for the IP course, um, which uh, both in the exam questions, because um, we need those real practical uh, problems for the students to, to work through, and clinic cases are great for that. But also, of course, in, in the course materials, just great practical examples to, to um, connect that theoretical material into the real world and often in situations there that are arising right here on campus. Well, I'm, I'm excited about the course. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, but after I signed up for it, I began thinking more. Maybe I should have done this before I signed up for it. But I began thinking more about IP. And one, uh, I realized I'm not entirely sure what it actually is. And second, it kind of seems to be everywhere. 
all the time. Like it's hard for me to distinguish between what's in front of me in terms of what I create as content. That's all my intellectual property, but there's a much broader interpretation of what, what you've been discussing in terms of people are bringing content to the table and that's their IP. And my conventional pre having really thought about an idea of it, which was kind of confined to trademarks and copyrights. So in the broadest sense of it, what is intellectual property? Well, it's, I mean, it's a, it is a type of the, the name intellectual property kind of says it all because it is a, it's a type of property. It's, it's property rights. Property is a bundle of rights. Um, but it's not tangible. It's intellectual. Um, so, so it's, it's actually created for the most part. It's created by statute where the different acts, the, the, you know, the, for those who don't understand the, the process of, of, of creating law, and we touched on this at the beginning of the course, but basically the, the courts over time uh, 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 create and apply the common law, and then the government steps in and legislates law. Um, so copyright and patent and trademark each have an act or a piece of legislation, and those set out um, the bundle of rights that a IP owner has. And so and the, the, the idea behind it is is it goes back, like way back uh, in, in England, which is the base of, of our legal system, particularly the common law legal system. And um, there was there was things like uh, merchants marking their goods um, and trademarks developed from that. And there's there's a lot of work that goes into developing your brand. And there was a right that became recognized to be the only one who can, who can, um, uh, benefit from the, the fruit of the seeds you sow in, in building your own brand and reputation. And that's the, the value around a trademark. So now we have a trademarks act, which, which, um, lays out, those those exclusive rights to the use of a, a trademark when you've when you've built a brand around it or when you've registered um, the uh, the trademark and, and trademarks is an example of one where you actually have common law rights still you can you can build your rights in in the mark and sue people at just in the courts without registering it for infringement or for passing off um, but you can also register and come under the, under the act um, and it's then trademark infringement and then there's there's Patents, of course, and so it's that idea of rewarding inventors for creating something something new that contributes to society. And part of the the filing of a patent is you, you're actually sharing it with the public. You you file the patent with the government; it's posted publicly, so anybody can can build on your in, invention. And it's it's and for for twenty years, you have the exclusive right to actually commercially use that invention. But other people um, are able to sort of build on that knowledge base. And then copyright, um, it's, it's re- rewarding creators for, for um, bringing something new and, and creative in, into the world. So, you know, typically paintings and pieces of literature and now movies and, um, and podcasts and, and all that. They're, they're, most of those are considered literary, work, literary works, but there's also neighboring rights and, and some others that we'll, we'll talk about uh, in the course, like the rights of performers and broadcasters and um, so yeah, no, that they, they really are all around you all, all the time. And it's, and it's, I suppose it's part of this intellectual nature of the rights is there, they are all around us. And you've been, you, I think you've been doing a great job of kind of describing the ideal purpose of intellectual property. It's to make sure that people can benefit from the trademarks that they've fought to establish equality and that they want to do the right to associate 
that and only that to them. And um, patents is you came up with the idea and you own it and you deserve to benefit from that. And copyright is you created it. It's yours. It should be yours. It's your song. It's your novel. But there's also kind of a flip side to this. Like um, we were discussing before we started recording that people can create a trademark and then just kind of hang on to it for no mm -hmm. apparent benefit to anyone mm -hmm. for, for decades past its sell-by date. Yeah, it, that is at the very foundation of, of the IP rights is that that balancing of the public interest in um, their right to either create and develop new things or, or to be able to use things that have been created and really um, for everybody to benefit and enjoy the, either the the creative work or um, or to to build on the on the new technology and the invention and, and so that's that balance of the of the the term uh, you know 20 years is kind of what we've come to for patents but the pharmaceutical companies are always wanting to get that longer because on their side of it they're spending probably you know often 10 15 years um, through and, and huge amounts of money going through clinical trials and and by the time they actually get a drug to market they maybe only have 10 or 5 years at worst case to to actually make some money back out of it and that's why the pharma the drug prices are so high cuz they have a very limited amount of time on that patent monopoly um so it is that yeah it is always that that balance exactly right and we live in the age of the patent troll too right this is a term i see a lot online I'm not entirely sure what it means so. but yeah, and and, and it, it, it's it's a term that so and it, I was chatting with um, you know I don't know if I'd, I, I I don't know if he'd appreciate being called a patent troll, but he is one of the the organizations that some people can call a patent troll. But it's not it's not a, the greatest term because it is really just another another business model. And there are some interesting Canadian companies who um, would argue that what they're really doing is is helping people who own IP and are, aren't able to commercialize it. Um, they're, they're helping them actually make some money out of their IP rather than it just sitting on a shelf and not getting out there and not earning any, any royalty revenue. They, they go and look for, they'll, I, I'm not sure exactly how the business model works, but I think essentially they kind of, they would either like, they probably license the IP or they somehow have an arrangement with someone who owns IP who isn't working it to, to go out and look for infringers. And then, the business model is that you sue and ideally come to a settlement um, where you'll get some some royalties out of people who are infringing IP that, that that's usually just sitting on the shelf. So it, in some ways, it's it's um, you know it's it's actually a quite a reasonable thing to do. You've got this property right, um, and you're just helping people exercise it. And often it's universities who might be sitting on like we generate all kinds of IP and and, and we can't commercialize everything. We'd love to. We want everything to be out there, um, contributing to to the economy and to society. But but often it isn't. It takes a lot to actually, um, you know. It's, it's often, well, I wouldn't say the easy part, but it's only one part is to generate the IP. It's then a whole another level to actually be able to build a business around or incorporate into a business and make money out of it. Um, so so these you know, so-called patent trolls, and a better term is a, a non-practicing entity. Um, so they can, yeah, they're they're just just helping in in this particular model that I'm describing. They're helping people uh, make money out of IP that, that that's not being used otherwise. Maybe we should patent mercenary. Is that maybe a better? Could be, yeah, yeah. Oh. So there's and and then and the other side of it too. The there's there's now sort of sort of groups that that have got together to try and pool IP because you have the other issue is the issue issue of patent thickets where you've got so many patents 
um, so many out there with overlapping claims. And it can be someone who actually, they may have a patent on some part of the technology, but they need to, there's usually a whole bunch of other patents that are also now actually stopping them from taking their technology forward um, because there's claims that, that cover what they're doing um, as well as the claims in their own patent. Um, so, so what people have started doing is pooling, um, so either by license or buying a whole bunch of patents together in particular areas of technology to try and make the whole bundle of rights, uh, available for people who are wanting to, to get out there and, and make a product that requires licensing of say a thousand different patents and they'll have them all in one place. You can go to these, these patent pools and just pay one licensing fee, one chunk of royalties, and they'd find their way back to the, in, to the owners. Um, but, but you just have to, it, it actually enables commercialization because you just have to deal with this one party and you get licensing to all the patents that you need to be able to move forward with your business, which is, which is a really, which is a really positive thing. I, I feel like I could kind of throw a rock and we could find something we could talk about for an hour. Here. Um, <laughs> so what, how are you, this is huge. How are you condensing this down into one course? Kind of what's, what's the, what's the composition of this to try to encapsulate all of these ideas around IP into a fairly tight schedule. Yeah, that's exactly. So everybody, we've we, we've interviewed the real experts um, on in, in each area of, of IP that we've we've touched on, and uh, most of them have said, "Oh wow, this is a this is a whole IP course." So you're having to condense all of IP because normally spe- people specialize in you know either patents or trademarks or copyright, and they don't normally. Um, attempt to do a course in, in all of them. So it's been a lot of fun for me because I do, I do enjoy all of them. Um, and I'm, you know, I wouldn't say that I'm particularly a specialist in any of them. So, so it's been a lot of fun. And what I've tried to do, cause I'm, I can come at it more from a practical angle, which I think is important for a course like this. And so I've tried to think always, you know, what matters in a practical setting of, say, a university. Um, startup or in university research commercialization. Uh, I was working at a research hospital before, and so I'm I'm fairly aware of what you know what really matters uh, in terms of IP in a practical commercial context. And so I've tried to come at it from that angle and just sort of and cover key points that you know I'd be considered negligent if I didn't cover in doing an IP course. Cover all all the key issues from all all the different areas of or most of the areas of IP that the, the the main areas of IP that are relevant to a business is really what I've what I've asked myself in putting together the course, and then we we build towards the um, licensing at the end of the course, and that's that commercialization of IP, and that's your you you've got your theory now, and then you're learning why does it matter, and 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 that's really how I've how I've tried to um, put it all together. Because yeah, it is a lot to, to to put in one course, but we're we're trying to trying to do it with a practical perspective, uh, which helps to right. simplify a little. <laughs> I'm I'm hard pressed to think of people that this doesn't apply to, though. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, um, a, a an academic in 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 the university who's doing research pro needs to understand what the IP implications, no matter what they're doing. Um, even if it's a non-technical area, there's still copyright all the time. And there, you know, and, and that's actually a fun example because there's a lot of people publishing papers and now there's more going on with the creative commons and that open sharing of copyright. Um, but it was that, that if you wanted to publish a paper in a, in a leading journal, you would just assign away your copyright. Um, and then, and, and not, not even think about it, not even realize that you can't go and reproduce your own work. 
that that you've now assigned to that journal. Um, so so yeah, it comes up it comes up all the time. And you know, starting a business, you're all, you're you're certainly dealing with IP in some some regard. Even just as as, as a student, an undergrad student, um, you're you're surrounded by copyright issues all the time with with whether you can copy your course materials. Um, and you may be tempted to go and go and download my my exam questions and my fantastic videos from from the course and you can't do that because i own i own the copyright right <laughs> you can't sell it online after the course cause that, that's my exclusive right <laughs> yeah. i mean again it's like throw a rock like i mean i just just from what you're talking like creatives anyone who's writing making music anybody that's obviously mm-hmm. of interest uh, anyone who's coding making their own apps making their own software obviously of interest and then you get into all these weird side niche things like if i write fan fiction I'm writing my own stories based on licensed cod, where does mm-hmm. that reside? And there's all sorts of side paths yeah. and interesting areas you can get into from this from this central point of what is IP. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, it, and it's espe- it is especially complicated when you're getting into that um, overlapping rights and you know in copyright you've got different levels of of works and authors on top of each other and, and you know when you when you watch a movie and you see those that endless list of credits at, at the end, I mean you've got copyright in the in the um uh script and the story and then the the directors and the um the music and 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 then music itself you've got lyrics and then the music and then the performers rights and the broadcasters right sound the the record makers rights um yeah and then and then as as i mentioned in in patents the patent thickets are are huge problems where you've got all these overlapping rights and they they kind of they they stop people from from um, being able to, to make the most out of the IP, so it is a it's an ongoing issue and, and a and it's a, yeah it's a very interesting problem to think about and and hopefully students can come come away from the course not only understanding IP but but maybe thinking about it critically and are there are there better ways to to um, go at the the same intentions of the IP system could we actually solve the problem better than than what we're now doing. Because, I mean, looping back to the beginning, we have, mm-hmm. you got to find creative solutions. Yep. And this seems like a field in which most of the problems that arise are going to be creative problems. Problems yeah. that root back to someone having created something. Mm-hmm. So if you're not finding creative solutions to your creative problems, what are you solving? That's right. And you don't want to, in rewarding creativity, you certainly don't want to end up having the effect of actually stifling it, which some people would argue is what, what the IP system does sometimes. Well, I'm looking forward to the course. Thanks so much, Morgan. Great. Thank you. Thanks to Morgan Jarvis, the developer and instructor of Law 206-706, Intellectual Property Law. You can find out all about trademarks, copyright, and patents through his course at takelaw.ca. If you're a creative, a coder, an entrepreneur, an inventor, or any combination of the above, you owe it to yourself to understand IP law. Fundamentals of Canadian Law is recorded at Queen's University, situated on traditional Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee territory. Our theme music is by Megan Hamilton, who's also a staff member here at Queen's Law. You can find out more about her music at meganhamiltonmusic.wordpress.com. Original illustrations for each podcast are created by Valerie Desverchers. You can see them at takelaw.ca and visit Valerie's portfolio at vdevershay.com. Thanks for listening.